Welcome to On the House, a podcast focusing on home ownership and the home buying process. On the House is brought to you by the Texas State Affordable Housing Corporation, otherwise known as TSHAC, a nonprofit that provides down payment assistance to help make home buying easier and more affordable. I'm Janelle Levesque. And I'm Sarah Eleanor. And I'm Frank Duplichan. And, and together, together, we make up the home ownership team at T-Shack and your host for the On the House podcast. Hello, and welcome back to On the House, T-Shack's podcast focusing on home ownership and the home buying process. I'm Frank Duplichan, T-Shack's home ownership program specialist and your host for today's segment. Our mission as an organization is to serve the housing needs of low income and underserved Texans through our build, buy, and stay programs. The T-Shack homeownership team has focused several of our episodes on homeownership resources and tips for securing your first home, but this is just one of our three main branches at T-Shack. So for this segment, we want to provide insight into the build branch of T-Shack and learn about programs for developers and programs that expand opportunities for affordable housing in Texas. So I am not lying when I say I'm extremely excited today to speak with TSHAC Senior Director of Development Finance, David Dannenfelser. Dave received his master's in community and regional planning from UT and has worked in community development for more than 15 years. He takes pride in finding ways to improve the lives of others, building more sustainable communities, and expanding housing options for lower income families. Honestly, I love talking to Dave at the office because I always learn something new, whether it's about a new podcast, more information about e-bikes, which I'm thinking about getting one. I'm still thinking about getting one or the best place to go fly fishing. So Dave, thank you for taking time to speak with us today and I have a feeling everyone who listens to this episode will learn something new, including me. So thank you, Dave. I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for having me. No problem, man. So first things first, what do you do here at T-Shack? Uh, well, I'm the Senior Director of Development Finance. Um, which is really just a fancy way of saying that I oversee all of our programs that provide uh, financing to builders and developers of affordable housing. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, and I'm really interested in you getting your master's in community planning. Um, at that point in my life, I was not sure about anything I wanted to do. And the fact that you've been in this line of business for 15 years, I'm very curious. Did you always know you wanted to be in community development? Was that just something like as a kid, you were building Legos and you just knew you wanted to do it? How'd you get into this line of work? No, it all kind of started um, actually one of my first full-time jobs when I moved to Texas was as a historian for the Texas Historical Commission. Um, I traveled with that job to nearly every county within the state of Texas. So over a two year period, I got to see um, most of the state in a lot of ways, looking for historical markers and proposing um, sort of preservation uh, projects for the state. But one of the things that I became very interested in figuring out was how to revitalize and redevelop rural and urban communities as I kind of traveled around. Um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of towns in Texas that I've visited where housing conditions were either poor or historic downtowns seemed like they could be more vibrant. Yeah. And I really didn't know how to make redevelopment happen. 
So that's when I kind of started looking around and I applied to UT's Community Regional Planning Program, um, where I began, began to learn the foundations of community development. Um, and from there, um, and during that time, I worked um, with a couple of the professors there on some planning projects um, while I was in school. And then I graduated in the year 2000. Um, and from there, I went to work for Enterprise Community Partners for several years, uh, again, working across the state, working with small nonprofits, providing technical assistance on housing projects. Uh, then I worked to work for the Texas Department of Housing for a few more years and then landed here at T-Shack 15 years ago. Wow. Just I guess let's just go back to your very beginning when you first started working on projects. Was there anything that you saw where you were like, I know I can make a, a big impact in this area, whether it was putting proposals together or just something you saw that you really knew you could fit yourself into? And, and make it better? I'm not sure if I figured it out or I had really good, good bosses early on. I know when I was at Enterprise Community Partners, I worked for an excellent team. Um, and the project, one of the projects that I specifically had responsibility over there was working with nonprofits, and promoting the development of accessible housing for people with disabilities. Mm, okay. And what we kind of, as a team, figured out fairly quickly is one component we really needed to do was be able to develop ways we could communicate with builders and contractors and help them understand sort of the, the real subtle difference between what they were doing every day um, and what they could do with the small changes they could make to improve accessibility for low-income households in particular. So it was a great project because, you know, I, I learned how, one, how to sort of better communicate with various fields, whether it was plumbers or electricians or contractors, but even like city officials at times, right. and to break things down and simplify them as much as possible so that we could get the message out. And then also we could really have a long-term impact um, on folks' um, lives, particularly after a home was built. And then um, they didn't have to worry about things like light switches being too high or doorways being too narrow um, or countertops being too tall. Um, all those kind of small things that we take for granted every day, but, once we experience a disability, um, whether it's from an accident or age, um, we just, you don't think about it until you need it. And then when it's there and it, and it really doesn't cost anything extra, mm -hmm. it was a real eye-opening experience for me uh, personally and professionally. And, and I can't do anything but agree with you because I've, I've always learned that there's far less cost in being proactive than there is in being reactive. And, right. and when you're being proactive and you're making those adjustments up front, you know, for someone who um, hasn't uh, had a disability that would cause the need to alter their home, I wouldn't see the small changes that could be made, but because you're in the field, you can make them in advance. And that's 
that's awesome. It's just those kind of things that just come with that experience and working with the industry. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So uh, to switch subjects a bit, out of my own curiosity, because I, I, I see it, I hear about it, um, I'd love to ask, what exactly is the Texas Housing Impact Fund? Sure. Texas Housing Impact Fund is TSHAC's lending program that provides revolving lines of credit or permanent financing to affordable housing projects. Um, it's a relatively small co- program compared to some of the national CDFI lenders and and federal or state programs that are out there. Um, But we try to keep it very flexible and have the maximum impact we can by getting loans done quickly and in every way possible, work with those state and federal regulations to fit into their programs rather than coming to the table with our own kind of uh, preconception about how things should be done. You know, I think um, when I talk about small, you know, we, we typically look at loans under $3 million, um, but we will also do loans for revolving lines of credit for construction, uh, particularly for single family homes, as low as $150,000 to $200,000 loans, which is not a very easy thing to come across in the, in the financing world. So the, the program is, you know, again, it's, it's not huge. We don't do you know, we don't do 30 or 40 loans a year. We do more like five to 10 loans a year, Um, but it has a lot of impact over time. And we've worked with some groups uh, close to a decade with some groups on our revolving lines of credit, which have been great because they've produced dozens of homes and uh, in those local communities where we've built real strong relationships. That's, you know, that's amazing to hear. And it, it makes sense. I've, I've definitely, like I said, I've had calls asking about the Texas Housing Impact Fund and, and, and send people your way. But I, I love the idea of, of you guys providing a line of credit that allows people to continually build or construct affordable housing in an area. Um, that's an amazing idea. Didn't even know it existed. So there we go again, learning something else. Um, uh, just if someone is interested in applying to be part of the Texas Housing Impact Fund. Um, is it the same contact information we, we have for you guys, the development team, that email address? Yeah, we have our own website um, and e- email address. It's um, impactfund at tshack.org. And we work very much as a team. So that email will come in to the three of us and we'll, one of us will kind of triage and respond to it quickly. Uh, and typically the process involves maybe a quick call or an email or two about the type of project that folks are looking to do to see if it fits into our program. And then we have our application materials and our policies online. And, you know, it often scares people when I mention policies, but our policies are about six or seven pages long. So we're not talking about reams and reams of paper you have to read through. It's, it's really just a a few pages to understand what kind of limits we have and what kind of, um, what kind of, how we structure our loans and the types of housing we, we like to prefer. Um, and generally it's just affordable housing, but we have income limits and other things that we put in there. I mean, that's, it's great. And I, I always explain it. You know, my experience with t even before I worked at t 
was that everything is is right there and out in the open. So it's good that we we have that document where they can actually review those those requirements, see what the program is like, and see the policies on it. Um, and to switch gears, because I have another question. Um, what exactly is the Affordable Communities of Texas or, or ACT, and how did uh, you and T-Shack get involved with that? Well, I created ACT, actually. Um, awesome. It's a land banking program that we created in 2009, and it was really after sitting down with one of our board members and David Long, our company president at the time, and well, he's still the company president. Um, but we were discussing sort of the the wave of foreclosures that were spreading across the country and how the foreclosure crisis was, you know, spreading rapidly in certain areas in Texas as well. And we wanted to kind of figure out a way that we could use T-Shack's powers to stabilize communities with high rates of foreclosure and, and in some way or somehow be able to capture some of the value of those foreclosed properties for low-income housing. And what a lot of people don't know is that one of the very first things that T-Shack was actually created for was to act as a land bank for a a large group of of parcels or or building lots that were down in the lower Rio Grande Valley. And through a court decision with the state of Texas, T-Shack ended up being the entity that helped process um, the deeds and everything out of that foreclosure and help transfer those properties on to the home buyers and some of the, the people who rented or leased that land. Mm-hmm. And it really was sort of the underlying power that allowed us to kind of own property and redevelop it and, and build it out as affordable housing. And so we just kind of revitalized that power in 2009. Uh, we realized land banking could have a big impact. And, um, you know, we successfully started out buying our first property in the end of 2009. And by 2013, we had more than 500 properties in our portfolio. Um, so it, it grew quickly and we continued to operate the land bank. It's not as large anymore because we've redeveloped most of not almost all of those properties, but we are looking to re-expand that uh, in the coming years. I mean, and I'm glad you're actually talking about that. That was actually my my next question. Is I've kind of put the context clues together uh, in my experience uh, in hearing land banks being mentioned, and but just in general for for the layman's, and let's just act like I I do know what it means when I when I really don't. I have exactly is a land bank. Yeah, a land bank is really simply, um, it's an entity that can own and hold land and then repurpose or use it for um, the the reason the land bank was created. So there's there's actually many different types of land banks, and sometimes they get confused with land trusts, but a land bank is typically just shorter term than a land trust. And it's also has a specific public purpose. Um, Some land banks are used for commercial development or industrial development, many land or or industrial parks. 
that are developed by small communities and even larger communities often start out as a land bank. It's owned by the city or county and a special entity. And then it, as they build it out and sell off the different industrial spots, it, it goes into private hands. A land bank is very similar, except for our purpose is affordable housing. So we buy up properties, um, both single family lots and large parcels. And our goal is to find locally focused builders and developers. Most likely they've been, uh, they are nonprofits that help us plan a redevelopment for that site. And then they really kind of execute that redevelopment. Um, we can help finance the redevelopment through our lending programs, but it's really up to the local developer and how they want to get it done. Um, we just kind of create the limitations on affordability. So all of the properties that we do uh, redeveloped with ACT um, are for low to moderate income households. So households mostly at 80 and below, but we do allow it up to 120% of area median income when we have special federal funding. I mean, thank you for fully explaining that because I know I've heard the term land bank used several different times for different organizations and noticed they were kind of the, the different types of property types that were being built and I guess refurbished yeah. were different. So thank you for fully explaining that. Um, uh, I, I was relying on context clues for that one. Um, and one more time, let's shift gears one more time to multifamily bonds. Um, I know we've spoke about that on this podcast before as referred uh, as referring to our single family program where people may use bond funding for down payment assistance or my favorite, the mortgage credit certificate program. But on the development side, I know you guys deal in multifamily bonds. So um, talk to me a little, a little bit about the benefit that bonds, multifamily bonds have on the average person as far as uh, ownership of property or just building uh, affordable housing. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that the for the multifamily bonds, the average person probably doesn't actually realize that their life has been impacted by it. But the, the goal of the program is to provide an avenue to lower the cost of, of permanent financing for multifamily rental projects. And by doing so, then we can limit the, the rent amount that those properties can charge. Um, those properties also have access to what's called the 4% housing tax credit program. It's not as valuable as the more common 9% housing tax credit program, but it does provide a source of equity that um, helps create affordable housing. And it's really that you know, the end user tenant oftentimes don't know that they live in affordable housing for most of the projects that we have. Um, they know once they walk in, they have to give income information, but many of them uh, and most of the folks in the neighborhoods around it don't know um, that what, what's there is actually uh, an affordable housing complex. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, you know, the, the building standards we have we just want normal housing to be built. So whether it's a market rate or an affordable deal, they're really built to the same standard using the same quality materials and, and fixtures. Um, and then it's really that background part where we're, we're 
finding ways to subsidize, reduce the cost of lending that make the difference. Um, in fact, I think one of the, my, my highlight moments of, of that idea of like bond financing or not um, was several years ago, we were looking at a, a project and we did finance it in um, Bryan College Station area. And I remember distinctly getting a call from a county commissioner who was very angry. He didn't like the project. He was frustrated about many factors of this project being located next to a railroad track and having poor transportation and poor conditions. And as we kept talking about it, and he mentioned more things going on around the property, I I had to ask, like, what the address was for the project he was talking about because I I had been to the project and it didn't have any of those characteristics. So he told me and I said, well, that's not the project we're doing. So, well, which project are you doing? And I gave him the address and I said, well, it's, it's this property. It's called this. It's located here at this corner. And there was just this silence. And then all of a sudden he said, my son lives there. Well, your son lives in affordable housing. And he said, "Well, I had no idea that was affordable housing." And wow. I said, "Well, that's the point." <laughs> so, it was a fabulous moment because after that, his the conversation totally changed. He wasn't angry. He was super thankful. He offered to write letters of support, and um, I put him in contact with the, a local nonprofit there, and. He has been a very strong advocate for affordable housing in that area ever since. Um, so that's that's one of those great success stories that I um, I appreciate about the bond program in particular. Well, I mean, that was actually going to be the next thing I, I asked you about. And that's talk about turning someone around on the <laughs> around right there on, on a pivot is they, they call uh, angry, expecting one thing and then learn something completely different. And and I'm not saying that uh, that that should happen often. I'm just saying that it's great when it does happen. It's a good yeah. success story, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, on that on that same subject, I I think just all together, of course, I feel like we both can agree that the ACT program to all together is a success stories of yours. I had no idea that that you had a hand in creating that. So just the fact that that's going currently and and we're still building upon that as a success story in and of itself. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fabulous work. Yeah. And I I know we were, we were speaking a little bit earlier about uh, just uh, me personally uh, looking at everything uh, glass half full, especially when it comes to previous employment. And I think we can both agree that here at T-Shack, I think, I, I have the best job I've ever had, um, and something that um, that you can take for granted are those quiet times on the job where things can feel a little bit tedious or boring. So, is there anything that maybe other people may find tedious or or boring about what you're doing, whether it's reviewing applications that you still in, enjoy doing yourself? Um, you know, I think. If- Thinking about that, I've always been someone who does love to learn, and and so I'm, I'm constantly looking for new ways to learn things. But underwriting projects, um, doing the math, 
mm-hmm. of looking at the numbers of rents versus cost of operations and calculating interest rates and repayment terms on loans and things like that certainly isn't something I think a lot of people that, you know, a lot of people that get bored of math quickly would not like. And I think that's a lot of people and I don't blame them. Um, But every time we get a new project, um, I do get to dive into that neighborhood or community and research it. And I learn about those communities. um, And it kind of reminds me of when I started, when I was traveling to different communities as a historian more than 20 years ago, but getting in and doing a deep dive on what the population trends are or the economic trends are, what kinds of jobs are in a community and learning all those kind of interesting things that at least things I think are interesting about a community so that when I can bring, and I do bring the, the, these projects before our board of directors and our loan committee, um, I can talk as, as best I can about the communities that we're going to serve um, and we're going to help rebuild or revitalize in some way. So I do find that work really, while it could be boring just looking at census numbers and doing the data tracking, uh, it is something I, I relish. So I do enjoy it. And, um, and yeah, so but they, I'll admit. I definitely think that's why me and you get along. I've been laughing this entire time because I personally think money math is the only math should, that should ever be taught and compound interest. And I, I just, I don't know. I feel like Batman. If you give me a spreadsheet and you tell me I need to figure out some numbers, I just get to work. And I don't know why that excites me. But that is something that I think most people would find maybe a little too little boring, but I definitely love it myself as well. So, Dave, thank you very much for joining us today. I really love learning about what you do at T-Shack and all the programs dedicated to developing affordable housing throughout the state. And I'm sure there are developers listening that would like more information. So one more time, uh, how do you suggest they contact the development team? Best way to reach us is Impact Fund at tsahc.org. All right. Thank you, Dave. I really do appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Frank. Thanks again, Dave, for being here to share much needed information on the steps being taken to provide affordable housing in Texas. TSHAC understands that developing affordable housing is an important part of the system working to ease the strain on the housing market. And I think it's safe to say we all learn more about property development, bonds, all the work behind the scenes that goes into ensuring affordable housing is built and also maintained. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today, and I really hope you'll join us next time for another episode of T-Shacks on the House Podcast.